I still remember this conversation as it was yesterday. It was on the 21st December of 2020. And I can assure you, it's deep within my heart. I give you Muriel Marie. I don't know what happened on that 21st of December. It was that period when Saturnus and Jupiter were literally coming together. A very special occasion, which for 100 years never happened. And it happened on the 21st of December. Muriel calls herself, or even better Marie, calls herself an unapologetic rebel philosopher. She is writing right now a book about trauma as she has been grown up in a family where her father had uh, an alcohol abuse. And we talk about self-love, we even talk about self-pleasure. And so it's a very, very, very intense, inspiring conversation. Enjoy this very special conversation. For me personally, the conversation number one of 2020. Muriel Marie. Welcome to What's on Your Mind with Peter Snowart. Every week a guest talks about his or her story, and that story can inspire you to change your own. Here's Peter. Hi, Marie. Hi, Muriel. <laughs> Hi, Peter. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. It's so great to be here tonight. It's uh, the feeling is mutual. Now, where do I start? Um, you call yourself the dream alchemist, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. Yeah, and it's also- a little, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Go ahead. Well, it's a little outdated. I'm sort oh, of changing okay. that a little bit, but it's it's still valid. It's still valid. But I, I prefer to, to call myself a little bit more unapologetic and a the- little bit more rebellious. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that covers exactly... And then also philosopher comes after this. Yeah, I, I always think it's it's a long one to say. When it's on Instagram, it's easier. People can read it. But I, I have a philosophy major, so that's, you know, I'm a thinker. Um, but besides that, I like the rebellious side yeah. and the no apologies given. Yeah, yeah, that's something that uh, the vibe of your, of your post of Instagram resonate, that uh, rebellious... Um, spirit now uh, um so you have a major in philosophy um did you then immediately went into the corporate life or did you then did something else or how did it happen so as i was finishing my degree i already started working so we're talking about you know the new millennium so around 2000 something like that i mean i should i should lie a little bit (laughs) to make myself a bit younger but no that's when it was um i was approached by a company in brussels and they needed somebody to help them with the transition from print into online media And because I had doubled a little bit, that's really the only thing I, I did. I had doubled a little bit with what used to be Dreamweaver at the yep. time, which is still, I mean, around, yeah. I guess. Um, and Photoshop, when you, you only had one layer and you could only go one step back, you know, the good times with Photoshop. Um, they had asked me if I wanted to lead as sort of a project manager their okay. you know, digital transformation, which was from print to creating websites. So even before graduating, I started as a freelancer and that was the first thing that I did. But then seven years ago, you really said goodbye to the corporate life and you said, I'm going to go 180 degrees, a new, how do you say that, a new life, a new chapter. You were, and what triggered you to do that? Was that the classical burnout, working too much, 
had no respect to political, typical, the corporate uh, rat race bullshit thing? Or, questions. <laughs> oh, yes, I know, I know. Or is it because is it because that you felt that you were living a life which was not close to who you really are? I think all of those, in a way. Um, and so, yes, so seven years ago were 2013. So from that first freelance job, mm-hmm. I eventually started my own web agency. Okay. And I sold that web agency in 2013 to another company. Okay. I still had to stay on a little bit because, you know, you have transitioned all of those things. So I stayed on until, let's say, the end of 2014, mid-2014, end of 2014. But by that time, I already felt like this is is not my world anymore. Mm -hmm. um, So one of the things that really struck me was I always felt like I was one of the guys. I'd always felt like that, like... There's no difference between me and the guys and I can achieve the same things as they can, etc. I was very naive in that and always like, you know, push through doors and, and through ceilings, whatever. But on a particular evening at that company that had like taken over my, mm-hmm. or not taken over, but bought my company, there was sort of a drink, whatever. And everybody was like in little groups talking about stuff. And I was a project manager at that time. So I was project managing under the umbrella of that company. And I see a group of other project managers and managers, all guys in suits. And I hear they're talking about a project that I'm connected with. So I want to go over there with my glass and my little bag, you know, and I want to continue the conversation with them. And when I arrived, they all stopped talking. And they looked at me And they wanted to start like, I don't know, a girl conversation, I guess, something that had nothing to do with work. And I don't know why, because it had been like cooking inside of me for a while that there actually was a difference. Um, and, And that night and that event sort of triggered me wanting to change and wanting to do something else. Um, and so that's when I really went in search of what am I going to do next? Like, I couldn't do that anymore. I didn't want to be in that world anymore. I wasn't interested in, in these types of projects anymore. I didn't want to do any of that. I wanted to think more. I wanted to be that philosopher again that I had, you know, studied for at university. Now, of course, that was a couple of years after my parents passed away because they passed away in 2010. And I always say, and and it's easy looking back, you know, when you connect dots, that that's the moment everything changed for me. But looking back, it really was. That was the moment where my world completely collapsed and I had to build it back up. And I tried to build it back up with the same dream. But then a couple of years in, I realized it wasn't going to work. And so those trigger moments really like started that sort of journey into discovering what I really wanted to do. So, and when did you discover then, because I assume it's a process, um, that your real potential and passion lies in helping other people uh, fulfilling their potential, their passion in life. How did you discover that? Well, I'd sort of always done it. So when I was freelancing, people would come to me with ideas for projects and they were very doubtful. 
about the projects themselves. And I was the one that would usually say, it's a grand idea, we could do it like this, like this, like this. So I've always been very naive and very like be a believer that whatever we can think of, we can create. Okay. And so I always sort of infused in people that little spark that they could do more than perhaps they believe themselves. So I've definitely done that, you know, in these other positions. But then when I, I really started to think about what I wanted to, to, to do, and when I enrolled in a life coaching course, because that's eventually what I did after really thinking yeah. about it for about six months and then, you know, looking at all my options, um, what I realized was that it, I, I had done that myself. Like I had lived... Um, a small life because of the of the own limitations that I had put on myself even though looking from the outside people would look at me and say wow and she had a web agency and she did this and she did that but I wanted other things for myself that wasn't really what I wanted that was what I did that was you know what put money in the bank yeah. and that was what it was expected of me but that wasn't really what I wanted what I wanted was to write to be creative to express myself differently you know to be a, to be rebellious whatever like the things that definitely wasn't um and and so the the fact that I realized that for myself brought me closer to wanting to do that for other people as well okay now you just mentioned you just briefly touched upon the fact that you say eh, thoughts are actually powerful mind your thoughts because they can manifest things whatever where did you learn that that's the fact that thoughts um yeah are actually a very powerful thing did you read that did you read some kind of think and grow rich book or something or did you learn that from your parents where did you get that yeah that's such a such an interesting question so i obviously read think and grow rich but i don't think the idea came from there mm -hmm. i think i think as creatives we innately know that what we can imagine mm -hmm. we can turn into something so I think there is this innate knowledge that exists, right? Mm -hmm. But then of course there's society and programming and unlearning and going to school and then you know school skilling creativity. So then we come out of that and we don't know it anymore. So we have to relearn it. But, um, and, and then I guess I probably read it and, but it was a message, you know, that you need to get multiple times. Yes. It's not something, it's not when you, because thoughts become things. I'm so convinced of that now. And actually look around yourself. I can look around here. Everything that's here, somebody thought of, right? Like it's crystal clear in my mind now how that works. Um, but I didn't get it the first time. It no. took a long time before I got uh, it. It's, it's something that you can analyze, but you need to feel it with your whole body. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it needs yeah. to be in every cell of your DNA in your body, that you that you because it's a feel thing people thoughts yeah. it's is one thing but that you need to add the the feeling part to it yeah. in order to to manifest otherwise it's it, it stays a kind of a mental yeah okay thoughts yeah because there is another side you are not your thoughts mm -hmm. agreed 
which which is uh, also something very interesting which a lot of people think they are their thoughts and eh? mm-hmm. i'm not enough uh, i should do this or this i should behave like this and this uh, i'm a woman of this age i should act like this i should have achieved this i should have i don't know what um, and if yeah it, i had a hard colleague she, she said when I'm, i'm going to be 40 i want to have a relationship again where did you get that idea mm-hmm. if, even i had that eh? when i'm 40 i wanted to have a baby yeah. why i don't know because hey it comes from somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah that's so weird you know i i like that you're that you're mentioning that i think they're connected to one another i think you need to understand that you are not your thoughts to also understand that thoughts can become things yes. because otherwise your thoughts are you yeah and it becomes so much harder to create let alone to hear all of the negative stuff you tell yourself all day long one of the first things that i did when my parents passed because i was really not doing well for a long time is uh enroll in, in a mindfulness training like okay. eight weeks of mindfulness i can honestly say coming from a much more corporate and masculine place let's say mm-hmm. it was also the first thing that i did that ever resembled anything spiritual when i think about it now i think like how is that possible that i lived without spirituality before mm-hmm. but i did so that was mm-hmm. the first thing i go into the first session we're all sitting around in you know a circle which was also new for me like all of these things like everything that i did there was new meditation new you know talking and seeing other people cry new like everything was new <laughs> And the first thing she says is, have you ever thought about the fact that you are not your thoughts? I kid you not. It's the first thing she says. I don't remember anything else from that session. But that hit me that because I was such an anxious and stressed person up until that point. I literally like, was burdened with incessant negative thoughts about myself, about everything that was so wrong about me in the world. And so when she said that, that really, that that had a domino effect on me. I was like, I never thought about it that way. I am not my thoughts. Of course, again, not a moment in time. No, 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 no. no. A few years of practicing that thought and trying to figure out what it meant for me. But simply put, Peter, it's meant absolute liberation. Yeah, absolute yeah. liberation I, I remember the day i was 34 and i called and um how do you say that therapist uh, and and she said what's the problem i said i don't know and i followed i i went there for a year a year and a half i believe um because i got out of the divorce and i was guilt 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 i had no any more I, i didn't even felt emotions anymore and then she said this is the last time and i want you to remember one thing You are not your thoughts. And I looked at her like I have just seen uh, a purple cow standing in a refrigerator or something. I was like, what the hell does that mean? And it took me two, three years to really understand what she was mm-hmm. saying. But now it's like, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. I also meditate twice a day. It's like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But when you say that and to somebody who is not aware or not so far in the process... Mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's like yeah but that is indeed one of the most important things that you can if you want to how do you say that live a more lighter life mm-hmm. 
that's the for me the key yeah. like one of the keys yeah and and i really i really like what you said you know because it's like a point in the journey that really is gonna sort of ignite a lot of things because it it opens a door to so many more possibilities because as long as you are your thoughts you're very limited because your thoughts tell you constantly who you are and there is no way of escaping that but when you realize it's just a voice and usually it's not your own voice it's your parents it's society it's a teacher it's whatever but it's not you you get to put a little bit of space just a little bit in the beginning between you and those thoughts and that gives you a little bit of room to breathe it's also the reason why I um, named my my TEDx talk. Don't yeah, I was going to say your TEDx yeah. talk. Yeah, yeah. That that was the. It's not my best performance, although I, I think it. I mean, if I should do it again now, because I did it a few years ago, right? So I wasn't so like my body of work wasn't so elaborate. Yeah, 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 my yeah. my 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 theories weren't so elaborate. But the main idea is simply don't believe what you think. Like. Yeah. I mean, scrutinize it before you accept it, because that's really going to liberate you. That's an interesting one. Um, the TEDx was when? 2016, so, so yeah, four one years year ago. After, yeah, because yeah. Yeah. I saw it, and I think, five. and it's yeah. it's a great one. It's really thank you. It's re really well structured <laughs> because I, I really yeah. looked, I listened to it. Um, that's by the way my big dream to do a TEDx, but that's something else. Mm -hmm. The if you look back now at yourself yeah. four years ago, mm -hmm. how do you look at yourself then? Do you look, do you look with self-love? Do you look with, oh, no, because, 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 yeah. because, because I looked at it and I was like, yeah. damn, she's doing it. And there was some yeah. kind of passion about your conviction of your message. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was, uh, you're really using storytelling. So I was like, I cannot compare. Mm -hmm. the, the Marie of now with the Muriel from four years ago, for instance, if she would do tomorrow a TEDx, for yeah. instance. And that's an interesting, because I asked my same, same question, uh, this is now, I think, conversation 64, 65 or something. If I compare that with number one, for me, it still feels like not the first one. But if you look at that over time, there is some kind of progression and things that yeah. you are learning. So yeah. how are you oh, looking What back? a beautiful question. Thank you. I never, I never asked myself that question, but as you were talking, I was thinking about myself on the stage and preparation because I, I did want to do a good job. So I did want, like, of course, I read how to put, like, how to do a TEDx talk. And, you know, I followed all the guidelines and mm -hmm. I had somebody help me and all of that. And then I studied it. I had a dog at the time, a, lab, a Labrador, and we would go on walks, him and me, every day. And I would just say my talk and say it again and then I would do it in front of a, a tiny audience and then listen. so I did do a lot to make it you know as good as I could make it when I look at myself now I'm very proud of myself for mm -hmm. having done it um, I'm definitely just really liking seeing me on the stage so okay. there is definitely no cringe I don't okay. cringe the only thing I would do differently, and that's why I'm saying it's not my best work, is I still cookie-cuttered a lot of things back then. I would still bring things in a very gentle way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that's, that's true. And what's changed in the, in the last five years for me, and especially in the last three since I've been divorced, is 
not really caring that much anymore about what other people think. And so the way I would bring it, I think would be a little bit more raw, yeah. more honest, and maybe a little bit more value. Yeah. Then you yeah. were like a, uh, made like a French bulldog and now you would be like yeah. a tiger. Yeah. And I, I would still wear the same thing though, because yeah, yeah, I but... think what I was wearing was definitely already yeah, exactly yeah. what I wanted it's, to convey. But it's, it's energy. It's, it's vibe. But huh? it's the energy. Yeah. But I wasn't there yet, so. That, that's an interesting one that you say, because I consider myself in terms of communicating as raw. And I had to really um, accept myself for that because I was used to, and especially in corporate worlds, I had to behave in a certain way. And now I work in an environment where they stimulate my raw communication style. <laughs> but the thing is that it feels so liberating once you are once you can really show who you really are in touch with yourself and don't fucking care what an, the other opinions are going to be, even to the point that you say, I'm willing to take the risk of losing people in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because That's in the end, strong one. because in the end, the winner, if you can call it a, a, a win, uh, um, um, yeah, a comp- it's not a competition. The one who is going to win is you yourself. Mm-hmm. and yeah. i think that's the most important thing that's the most important thing that you can do towards the world is to be yourself mm-hmm. yeah i agree with you wholeheartedly um how is that going like showing the raw you at work <laughs> is that going well but, but, but it's not about at work only it's also on instagram eh? mm-hmm. i mean uh, yeah that's I, true i, I did that. I, I did i did yeah. a guitar show so i'm it's also because of you, because I see you with your rebel thing, because I'm also consider myself also as a rebel. But I, I, I like the fact that I, that I mix like this business thing, the selling thing with spirituality and everything combined together. Yeah, because I agree. It's all because you're a person. Oh, yes. Hello, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I, I, for a long time, I really tried to fit into that uh, personal brand sort of yeah, theory yeah. like yeah. you have to be this and that and that and I had to throw that overboard and just say I'm going to be me yeah. and I'm going to talk about the stuff that I find yeah. interesting yeah. because it's not sustainable no. if you always have to think about every little thing you want to say so and, and I've seen that on your Instagram as well but if you are you then the inspiration mm-hmm. you're in a kind of a flow you don't have to think you're always creative yeah. You're like, yeah, nope, absolutely. Nope. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it becomes well, a story. Yeah. It's a story of you. Yeah. And yeah. it's in some way something that you can feel when somebody is really themselves and it makes them, I don't know, appealing, attractive. It makes them, yeah, there's some, some special thing. Whereas, uh, again, another personal brand coach. Here we go again. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit now black and white. Eh? So, uh, but. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think, it's, again, it's the most beautiful thing you can do to yourself and towards the world is to really to, sh- to show up and to be yourself and to show who you really are mm-hmm. in all your different aspects. Yeah, and you know, they, they always say, and, and this was one that I had to really learn as well. You have to give before you ask, right? Especially online. It's, it's been said a lot in marketing, like you have to serve and... And before you, you do a pitch or whatever, I never pitch. I don't know if you've seen my Instagram, but I don't pitch a lot. No, I, I'm not no. doing that no. uh, that much. Um, but what I've 
what I, since I've embraced really talking about all of these aspects of myself, for instance, one of the things that I find really important to talk about, especially towards younger women, is sexuality. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I'm a big advocate of self-love and I feel that self-pleasure is a, an integral part of that. Of so course. self-pleasure is a must and must. And so a on must, a regular a must, basis, a must. right? It's a must. And on a regular basis, I post some stuff that I find on yep. the internet that I like about it. I have been so surprised at the amount of DMs that I get from young women that have never masturbated telling me, asking me, uh, because I think it's, it's the real good stress reliever among other things, right? And I don't know, but when I'm very sick, it also usually helps. So yeah. just saying. Um, and, and so I posted something where I said that, uh, you know, it helped against stress and all of these things. And I get these DMs of these women asking, you know, do you think it would really help? Because I've never masturbated before. And I think now that I've seen you talk about it, that I want to try. Of course, I'm not a sex specialist. I'm not a sexologist, but I do send them to, um, oh my God, yes. Or, you know, other platforms where they can learn more stuff about that. But what I find so interesting is when you're yourself, you realize people resonate with the stuff. If you followed the blueprint for the brand, you would never include yeah. Right. And it's never the stuff you think people are going to yeah. resonate with. And so and, and the fact that I can help that way is really important to me and has become more and more important to me because it's also about people getting unstuck. You know, that's my sweet spot. I say that I help, you know, multi-passionate creatives get unstuck. Um, but helping someone masturbate, I find, is like. When I've done that, I'm really happy. I'm like, you know, a little but bit unstuck today. For a, for, a, for a woman that's really tapping into her creativity, yeah? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, it's true, yeah. For a, for a man, that's something different. But for a, for, and also the fact that if then, then they meet a partner and they expect them that they be a tiger in bed and they don't know their own manual, mm-hmm. how can you then show the directions of the... Of, of, yeah how does it work then they expect to put their inner uh, happiness outside mm-hmm. of them and they expect that this magical god is going to yeah make them come who usually only has seen porn yeah okay. which women anatomy is just not right it's not the way they show it and women come based on how a guy looks so i mean it's it's a recipe for disaster it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it, it's also mentally not, not good for your brain because it's, mm-hmm. it's always about the connection. Mm-hmm. I agree, yeah. Now this is an interesting turning point. <laughs> so I am a business coach. <laughs> I just want to make that clear to everyone. <laughs> but, but, I'm not a sex coach. <laughs> but passion is passion, eh? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I am very passionate, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. In all uh, aspects of life. Yeah. So that's the thing. Now, um, where was I? (laughs) (laughs) So before that, we were talking about. No, no, no. I'm going to. No, no. We're not going to go back. We're only going forward. Okay. Now, in our in our pre-conversation, 
you're in like we're the 21st of december which is like juniper and saturn are really on the same spots in in aquarius you also yes. mentioned it today on your uh, instagram did you also felt in in this week a very intense kind of energy or are you just yeah i would i would say i did i um I'm, I don't keep track. So, so the fact that uh, you know uh, Jupiter and uh, Saturn. Saturn are so close to yeah, each yeah. other, I I really appreciate it more for the astronomic uh, mm. astronomy, yeah, astronomical like you know event that it is, yeah. um, rather than the influence that it can have on me. Yeah, um, I'm not so well versed in everything that has to do with. Um, astrology although i do have uh, one of my best friends is one of the best french astrologers you can think of she does my chart every year and she she knows me better than i know myself so i know there is there is truth and a lot of wisdom in there um but now that you mention it i did feel a surge of energy this week this has been a very special week up to the, today i have to say because did that answer her question? yes 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 okay. but it's it's like a bridge to a next question because oh, uh okay. yeah 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 because um yeah they they say this today is a very special event um yeah also the fact that it's uh the 21st of december yeah. so the shortest the yeah the yeah. shortest day in our pre-conversation you talked about a new five years chapter maybe this is the first day marie <laughs> yeah ah, it's possible well yeah I, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who really loves structure so and I was thinking about that when we were when I was talking to you about it in theory it should have started on the 1st of January 2020 right because the previous five-year bucket started in 2015 and the previous one before that the death of my parents was 2010 mm-hmm but I think you're right. I think this 2020 year, like it doesn't count. It doesn't count for a gazillion different reasons. It's been a, a year of enormous growth. And I think it's been like that for many people. But I think you're right. I think this could be the actual beginning. So where, where who is going to be Marie within five years? When we are mm. talking again, physically then? Because now I'm going to do, uh, in a, within a couple of weeks, doing physical podcasts. Okay. So, I, I actually, I don't hope we're going to wait five years to have a next conversation. But No, it's long, but yeah. You decide, you're the boss, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is Marie then within five years? Um, well, definitely a writer. Because that's one of my aims to... So I'm, I'm close to finishing the first draft of my first actual book. So I know I probably still have a year, you know, because I want to research a lot of things now and I want to edit it and I want to do a good job. So it's probably going to take a year. And it's not my full-time job. I do this just on the side for fun, right? It's my creative project. But I definitely want to have um, more writing in my life. I also want to go back to nature more. I'm thinking of relocating, buying a piece of land, starting to live a little bit more off the grid, still connected, obviously, but, you know, doing that. I'm having my whole back tattooed with a traditional Japanese tattoo next year. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, you won't see that from the front, but it's going to be on my back. Um, and I think apart from that, what I'm really looking for is even more freedom and liberation. So the journey we're on is a journey that never really ends, I think. I don't think there is an end station. No, there's no, the destination is a journey. Yes. So there is no point where we're ever going to be able to stop and say, ah, I'm here, you know. Um, but I am so excited in discovering like what other layers are within me that I want to peel and what other things we were talking about thought becoming things but I also believe we create our reality because that's the same mechanism and so becoming really good at creating my own reality the way that I want it to be I think that's where I would like to be in five years from now and how does that look like a life full of liberation and freedom what what does that mean you're going to sit all day writing on a on a chair enjoying of, of something to drink with the sun looking at the lake between the trees no i don't really see myself do that i think it's going to bring me somehow closer to people i really love the work that i do right mm -hmm. the fact that i get to help people creative humans like also go after that freedom and liberation in a way um, is really essential so that's definitely going to stay in my life but I think I am going to uh, approach it from a much more creative space in and, nature in nature well yeah in nature but um But still, I mean, I'm not going to be a recluse if that's the question. I don't see myself, you know, being just in my little cabin in the woods and, mm -hmm. you know, living from there. I need people in my life. Okay. Um, but I also need nature in my life. Yeah. So it's going to be a mix of, of those two. Yeah, for me, nature too. That's also my dream, living yeah, in nature and not in... A... Not in the city because it, the, the energy is different and I feel, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, cleaner. Did you ever hug a tree? Of course, I hug trees all the time. I'm not kidding. I do that all the time. I, <laughs> and somebody, because in a, in a far away, I'm sorry, I, I stopped you. No, no, do, go ahead. Uh, in, a, in a far away past, I had an environmental blog. I had one for six years. And uh, it was a really cool project, actually. I had um, one person. So I had looked for writers. I, I financed all of that myself through the, the profits of my web agency. And so it was just a side project. Never made any money because I had a big, big block between doing something you know, environmental and mm -hmm. somehow making money with it. Thank God I overcame that now. But otherwise, it would probably still exist. But so for six years, I... I financed it myself and I had uh, a writer in every European country okay. and they reported on local environmental news and then they wrote little articles in English and then it, it came on the site. And I remember one time I was explaining that to, um, to a man and um, he was sort of trying to seduce me. It wasn't, it wasn't all that interesting, but anyway, so he was trying to seduce me and I'm talking about the blog and he said, oh, are you one of those uh, tree hugging types? And, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I do that sometimes. 
times. And so that was the end of that. Anyway, so every time anybody asks me if I hug a tree, I think about that guy. No, but it's, it's, but a, it's I a, do. I it's, do. It's, it's a serious yeah. question because I, yeah. I learned it via a, um, a weekend, I think uh, two months ago, in October was it? And we had to go out bare, barefooted, bare naked foot. You know, I say that. So with our foots naked in the grass. And then they say, just choose a tree and hug it. Just stand there, feel the energy, feel, feel everything flowing. And for me, there was in my head quite some resistance. I'm like, what? Um, okay. And I did it and it was a really intense experience. And since then, I, I, I go with with uh, with my baby, uh, actually toddler. Uh, I cannot say a baby to a three or uh, to three point five years old uh, uh, boy in the woods, and then he 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 does it also with me, <laughs> and and it's it's something amazing, and 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 now I, I ask people, do you hug a tree? And and sometimes they look at me, what the hell are you saying? And they're like, you really should do that. You should try that. It's something very very special. You can I could really felt feel the energy flowing in, in my body and i feel yeah i i feel very like so almost lifted yeah. when i hug a tree and there is this amazing book i don't know if you know it the secret life of trees have you have you ever read it it's this um this guy who has worked in a national forest i think in germany for so many years and he really talks about how trees are alive and how they communicate with each other and how, you know, when an insect is doing something there on a tree, that tree is going to signal all the other trees and then those trees are going to start to protect themselves. And like, so, so that only increases my uh, belief that when you touch a tree and when you hug a tree, the tree knows, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people are going to say, what are they talking about? But it's true. It's, I, I do believe that. Plus, it's even good for immunity. Yeah. Because they have done uh, like um, research in um, how immune, like children with asthma, you know, how many of them um, go outside and play in nature and whatever. And I'm probably saying this all wrong. But anyway, what I remember was, if you go outside and you touch not just trees, but nature, and um, you will you will get m much more spores of you know whatever um, on your body, and that's going to stimulate your immune system. So there's, I mean, we're all connected, not just with one another, but with nature. We are nature. Yes. Yeah, we are. Sometimes we forget that. Mm -hmm. It's true. We are. Now, um, if you could go back in time. No, no, another question, another question. You're writing a book right now. So it's an autobiograph, biograph? Yes, it's uh, autobiographical. And so that means it's nonfiction. Correct. Can you? <laughs> this is the first time I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, oh. Sure, no, no, thank you for the question. Um, well, I, so, my life's journey has not been an easy one. It's been a journey that started um, being born to an alcoholic father okay. who um, drank a bottle of whiskey every day for the time that I knew him alive. I never, I, I, 
I know, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that can say they never actually saw their father sober, which is true. Um, I know other people can say that too, and they're in my heart, but I can say that as well. And so um, growing up in such an environment caused a lot of attachment issues for me. And when I got divorced in 2018, after mm -hmm. separating from my now ex-husband late 2017, I promised myself and decided that I was gonna, that I was gonna aim for healthy attachment, something I'd never known in my life until then. Mm -hmm. Privately, I mean, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. not in my professional life because I, or with friends or whatever, because I can entertain really good relationships with certain types of people. But when it's romantic, uh, I have a lot of daddy issues or head at least. And so I've been in that process for now two years, two years and a half. And I've come out of the tunnel, learning a lot about all the trauma that I had and moving through that trauma. And I felt that that story deserved to be written and, and shared. And so, and it's been very cathartic for me as well. It's sort of the cherry on the cake. Yeah. Now that I've come to understand why I made the decisions that I made when I was younger mm. and why, you know, all of that. Um, and it transformed me really, uh, not just the process, but the writing is sort of the last step in in really this transformation into this, this new form of attachment for me. And when do you want to publish it? Well, I wrote it first and foremost for myself. Yeah, so, yeah. And that's a tip I can give to a lot of people. Like don't, don't look too much, especially if it's your first book and you're not a writer, don't think of publishing even. So the first few months I tricked myself writing. So I write every morning for about 40 to 30 to 40 minutes and I do it systematically. So I'm very diligent in doing that. And I now have a book of more than a hundred thousand words, which is, I mean, it's a draft, so it's nowhere near mm. being good for publication, but it's a, it's a book. Um, and so I think it's going to take me another year because I do, I'm reading a lot of books about, so, so I've, first I wanted to get the story out, which I more or less have done now. I have one or two chapters I, I still want to write and then the story is, is on paper and it makes sense, which I'm happy about. But now I want to infuse it with actual theories about trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's stuff in there, but I, I want to be, and I want to, you know, like fact check a number of things that I've said and stuff like that. Plus it needs to be edited. So I think a year, maybe something like that. I don't know, but I'm still not doing it for it to be published. I'm still doing it for myself, Yeah, yeah. but I do want to do the best work that I can with it. A trauma, which is something that I've learned, is normally on, on a, a multiple layers. It's a mental, it's physical, spiritual, and uh, emotional. How did you, I mean, of course, writing the book has been very therapeutical for you. Have you used other techniques, like in more in the classical, but also in the more uh, spiritual I'm going to call it I don't want to call the, the, the I don't use the name uh, uh, the, the word uh, alternative 
therapies? Yes. Yeah, I did many things. And I think overcoming trauma and working through it, mm-hmm. um, especially of that kind, right? And I don't want to say that's worse than other trauma. All trauma mm-hmm. is, is really bad. But um, our attachment style is decided in childhood. Mm-hmm. And when we are subject to aggressive, erratic behavior that you cannot understand as a child, that has a tremendous impact on how you're gonna create relationships and and attachments with other people. So first I thought it would be enough for me to go and see a therapist once in a while right? Because I've been again in that process for probably 10 years. Even when I was married to my ex, I would go to therapy and, but I would stay on the surface. I wouldn't, I think with trauma, you know, trauma is such a clever beast. So you, you lie to yourself and you pretend so many things that aren't true, but you're not aware of it. So, so, so when I would go to therapy, I, I, it would be a good news show, right? Because I wasn't aware of all these year, layers you were talking about. So, but probably it did have an effect, whichever that may be. But then when I, uh, when I separated two and a half years ago, I went in search because I had PTSD because of the separation. My ex left in a very brutal way and a lot of stuff came out and I, like, I couldn't really understand what had happened. And because of that, I developed PTSD so post-traumatic stress. And so I went in search of somebody who could help me with the post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress, which I found. His name is Glenn. He's amazing. If anyone needs, needs somebody in the Antwerp area, I can, I can hook you up. He's, he's fantastic. And so first we worked through the PTSD. And when I saw that that actually worked and Glenn uses a mix of techniques, he does a lot of somatic work. He does a lot of meditative work. He gives you tools that you can practice at home. Like, so it's not just talk therapy. In the beginning, I was very much against it. I was like, I just, I'm not closing my eyes, Glenn. I'm not going to breathe for you. You can try all you want. This is not happening. <laughs> but he kept at it. So it took about, I don't know, six months, right? For him to get me to close my eyes and like follow his voice and whatever. And then from there, of course, I opened myself up to all of the other crazy stuff he wanted to do with me, which, you know, was very beneficial. And after two years, like there have been moments where I could literally feel a layer of trauma disappear. Like I have had a number and I'm talking about them in the book because they're very personal, they're very, very special realizations that when I had them released me released me of decades of not feeling adequate of making bad decisions of not you know falling for the right people whatever and almost in an instant when the trauma dissipates you become this new person and you can make different decisions so that's why i have a lot of compassion with people who who deal with that because it's such it's such a complex thing. And can you now look to yourself in a mirror and feeling like 100% love after you have been 
shining a light on your own darknesses because you have to face your own yeah, darkness, your own demons, that, that the, those dark parts that you maybe don't want to be confronted with because it's going to be very painful. And in the Western world, painful pain is something ne negative, whereas pain is actually an, an, a motor for, or an engine for growth to solve something. Can, can you now, are you now, can you say, I'm now at the point, eh, 21st of December, the day of the light, I would call it, the, the, the big <laughs> conjunction. C can you now look at yourself with like, I wouldn't say 100% self-love? Yes, Muriel Marie, you're great as you are. And I'm completely detached from my past. 99%. Which is close. I have huh? my, mo yeah, which is very close. I... You know, one of the things, and I, I appreciate that question so much. You ask good questions, Peter. Um, but um, yeah, you know, it's also about accepting that you are you and that you made crappy mistakes and that you didn't know better. And instead of, you know, that voice we were talking about that is going to bash you in your head and say, you know, what a bad person you are, whatever, have that voice. I don't have that voice very much anymore. Sometimes she's trying, you know, to say something, but it doesn't last long. But the voice that I have in my head is a voice. It's, it's more a funny voice. It's more like, remember when we did that really stupid thing <laughs> because we didn't know better and then we have a laugh together and then it's like yeah yeah I remember <laughs> that was stupid or you know not stupid because that's not what I want to say about trauma it's not whatever right. you're going through or doing is not stupid but like when you silly, know better you silly. do better yeah, yeah, yeah. silly yeah. or yeah, it all looks silly from a distance. When, yes. you, when you're not troubled by it anymore, it's yeah. like, oh, how could I be so... Like, why wasn't I... I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. But, but I never blame myself anymore. Of course, I've done that a lot in the past. Yeah, yeah. But I never do that anymore. And can you now say that... Of course... That's a. Uh, some people will disagree, but let's assume that you could not choose where you were born uh, with those parents. Can you now? And also that situation, yeah, it's uh, you can go for a victim role, of course. Eh? Uh, and this is think I something that you see a lot of with your clients or your coaches. Can you now, for yourself, see that all those things which are very painful and yeah, which cut you very deep with a kind of a knife look at those things as kind of gifts to bring you where you are right now that's such a tough question huh? it's a million dollar question um, there are definitely a number of things that I would not change definitely um because they've made me the person that I am. I, I think you can really love yourself 99% and mm -hmm. still have regrets, right? Of course, of course. My biggest regret, I wouldn't change my life. I wouldn't. I would keep the same parents. I would, I would keep the same exes even, like, because I learned so many lessons mm -hmm. throughout all of that. But I would want to be aware 
that I can change and that I can take my life into my own hands much, much sooner. Would That's you, would you, what I would want. Would you say that to the Muriel Marie when she was 16? I would say that to her, yeah. I would, I would tell her that if she goes looking for help, she's going to find it. And that she doesn't have to do it alone because that's what I thought I, because I was born in an environment where I was forced to do everything alone and to survive. I took that on as the way to be for a very long time. And, and if I could go back, that's what I would change. Yeah. Yeah. You, you developed surviving, survival coping mechanisms, which is of course normal. But it's, uh, yeah. So now, I, now maybe we can say that you're really living. Mm -hmm. Agreed, agreed. I um, very often think that, I, that my life only started, I usually say, you know, 10 years ago, but I think that I'm more and more alive every single year, every single day. Yeah, I, I fully I fully agree with that. It's very strange that every day that passes by and the more of these deep conversations I have and the more I show up as who I really am and the more raw, the more I feel alive. And I'm like, I don't care about the age. It's just a number. And I mm -hmm. feel younger and I feel, yeah, more alive. That's, that's very, very beautiful set. Yeah, yeah, it's mm -hmm. true. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's true. I feel that too. And I think it comes with this, um, really this, this insights into ourselves, right? Like into, but all of our senses as well. Yeah. I know that I, for instance, understand a lot of things much better now than I did when I was younger. Like it's almost as if I'm seeing them better or when I read, I understand them better or that I feel better. So and, and all of that enhancement, so to speak, comes, I think, because I've worked so hard in all of these different areas to become better. Can you, can you, when you are meeting um, a potential client of yours physically, mm -hmm. can you feel their energy? Can you feel how they feel? Can you see how they are, what they are feeling? Even see, I wouldn't say what their challenges are, but what they're struggling or see what, if they are speaking the truth or not. I get a lot from people very fast. What I mostly get is what people really want and don't want to admit. And okay. I, I, I keep notes from clients, of course, and those notes are confidential, obviously. But when I go back and I look at, at the end of a coaching series, for instance, when I look at what clients have realized about themselves and what they now know they want to do and the changes they're going to bring into their lives. Very often when I go to the first page of my notes, when we have a preliminary meeting, mm -hmm. I will jot down my thoughts that I will never share with the client because the client has to you know, come up with their own mm -hmm. ideas. It's not up to me what they want to do. They have to decide. But I will jot down what I think they want. And very often what I think they want comes true at the end of the series. And I've, I, I realized it with a couple of clients where I was crystal clear even before working with them what they had to do, right? The way that we say that in, in the world. 
never told them, right? Also didn't influence them because I can't influence them. They have no. to decide what they do in the sessions. But they ended where, you know, I thought they were going to end up. And uh, ever since I've been like really trying to figure it out so that I have it in my notes when, uh, when I coach people. So yeah, I do feel that. I, and I think it's not, be, I don't have a sixth sense. I'm not supernatural. I think people will tell you, but they will tell you in another way. Like they won't use the right words, but they will tell you. And because I've coached so many people in the meantime, I've become really good at hearing when they're telling me. You, you, yeah, you, you mentioned in the, that was actually the first sentence that you mentioned in our pre-conversation that you now are so good at deep listening, I would call it, mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. cannot turn off that switch anymore. No. So, so that you are, you're listening to the words, which are only like 20% of the communication, but you're listening to the, the tone, the voice, the, the, the complete nonverbal um, communication, what the real agenda and the real message is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's also really interesting in my work is uh, because it has to do with trust as well, right? People need to trust you before they're really going to tell you what's at play for them. Um, in the, in the, because I offer like this free session. So I, I talk with people about their dreams and all they want to do. And um, usually it's about 30 minutes. Usually the first 25 minutes, I can sense that they're, you know, very eager to tell me about them, et cetera, et cetera. But then in the last five minutes, when it's almost time to, to end, that's when they tell me what they really want to do. And usually it's like, oh, and there was this one little other thing that I was thinking about. I don't know if it's relevant, but I've been thinking. <laughs> and that's when I open my ears because everything before that was foreplay let's say, right? Because this is what it's really all about. Because, and, and, and I think we can all do that with each other. You don't have to be a coach and you don't have to be a client. People will always, it's always in the details. Mm -hmm. But in the details, there is so much truth about what people really care about. And does that then mean that... Uh... So when it's 30 minutes, like 20 minutes, they are kind of a smoke mirror that they are creating is that they are afraid to really open up and be authentic and to show up who they really are and to stand there naked in front of you? Um, huh. Well, it's not all smoke and mirrors, right? Like, I mean, people do show up and, and do they want to be there and they want to share with you. I think it's just how the subconscious works more than anything else. So the first 20 minutes is more like the mental picture. And then yeah. the, the, the last thing is more, it's I really, so. that's your, yeah. your mission, your purpose from the heart. This is really what you are doing here. Yeah. yeah, because you have to think there is also this element of scarcity. You know, you're coming to an end. So, and that's when often, you know, the heart takes over, like, oh, there is this one thing I really have to tell you now that I have you here and that we have this conversation. And in the beginning, we all have a tendency to be on autopilot, you mm -hmm. know, and it's still interesting, and it's still true, but it's not always the essence. I find it a very interesting one. If, if somebody is listening, and they are like, and this is now a very high level question, eh? 
I want to find out what my purpose, pur um, my purpose slash passion is. Where do I find that? That's a tricky question. I know it's a tricky question. <laughs> if I had the answer to that question, I would be a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I, I don't think there's such a thing as finding it. So uh, I, I, yeah. I, 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 if you would tell but it's me, it's still a good question, though. It's still a good question. Yes. Yeah. But I also feel if you would ask me, if you would tell me like two years ago, or even one year ago you will start a podcast and having very deep uh, conscious conversations with people. I was like, are you fucking with me or what? And it was, and I remembered like yesterday, yeah? it was the, the 26th of uh, December. I never told that online. It was the 26th of December, 2019. And I was uh, with some friends in Ghent having dinner. And uh, my mom calls me and she says, your nephew just committed suicide. He turned 50. And that was for me the click. And, I've, and now I had it. I'm going to live my life and I don't care about the opinions anymore. Because I knew he didn't want to live. He was he studied psychology. He, he just, yeah. He was like, he, he, I think his birthday was on the 25th of May. It was the 25th of December. 25, 25, 50, circles round. I tried not for me. I, I go to the next party. And I, I was like, okay, if that's your choice. Um, and then for me, that was the that was the trigger. And now I'm going to do it. Now I'm going to start the YouTube thing that, that and now I'm going to do it. I don't care where it brings. I'm going to do it. So can I say that, that, that now I feel this is like my soul mission or purpose, passion, whatever you want to call it, like you writing books. Um, because like, just like you, I mean, this evening, uh, a 19 year young woman sent me a DM via Instagram. And she said, Peter, I just listened to, uh, Elfie de Bruyne, which is more like a spiritual conversation. And, uh, she also had a very, um, traumatic uh, story. And, uh, she said, Peter, uh, I, uh, <sighs> I'm feeling bad and I feel depressed and uh, I've had issues with relationships and, and I don't feel good about myself. But this conversation really shined a light on me. Thank you for that. And I was like, this is where I'm, this is, this is, this is my, this is, this is the thing. Mm -hmm. So, but if you would say, how do you come to that? It's really about experimenting and following that path of positive energy. It's like riding that, that, that car but you only see like 100 meters ahead and you just follow that positive energy, although it maybe sounds crazy and you don't make money or whatever. No, 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 just follow it and magical things will happen. But you have to be prepared to show up in the world who you really are, even if it's uh, unpopular or even if, it's, uh, if you have to do things which are, yeah, like for instance, talking about spiritual deep stuff, I mean, if you would say that to me within even at the beginning of Corona and beginning of 2020, uh, that would be that's that would be Peter, which is now George. So uh, it's it's <laughs> no, but it's true. It's true, and I love that process because it's it's it really feels like what you just mentioned uh, like a half an hour ago, like an onion peeling all those layers off, and and really showing who you are, and and it's it's again it's that self love. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you so much for sharing that, Peter. I know and, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. That's no, you know, it's. Because, but bad bad things often have sort of a this this effect on people, right? Like we all need to have our perfect storm. Yeah. That makes us yeah. finally do it. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think what you say about the process is so true. I often tell my clients, you cannot think yourself into what you want to be. You have to do it. Yeah. And you don't have to do. And, and there the problem is very often they're waiting until they know exactly what they have to do. But if you wait for the moment, you are going to know exactly what you have to do. You'll never do anything because that wisdom only comes one step at a time, right? What you were saying about the lamp and just seeing in front of you. So um, it's by doing that you build awareness and clarity about what it is that yeah. you want. And another thing, it's not a fixed thing. It no. changes, right? You now like enjoy spiritual conversations maybe a year ago you you wouldn't well, so, i did i did but i wouldn't do it in public see so so we're constantly evolving and changing but that's the creative process yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's and that's this this the, the, the thing we just had was like a dance a creative dance of energies and and yeah it's it's for me it's magical it's it's okay. like making music if it's mm -hmm. the same feeling you get when you are around with people and you have the same intention and you make music and then suddenly you feel like there is like a kind of a vibe where the total is more than the sum of the underlying parts mm -hmm. yeah. and for me the thing changed there was like four years ago when somebody because 10 years ago I was like look at me I'm a great guitar player look at me look at me look at what I can and now I, I have the guts to tell that and eh, to be very open about it but it was it was really about that Four years ago, somebody came after me after an uh, after an uh, gig, and she said to me, "I've I've had I've have I have cancer and I'm very ill, and I'm going to die within a couple of months. I have I've I've suffering for lots of pain, but what you did, guys, that was amazing. You really shined the light in my in my complete summer. And I was like, you just played covers. It wasn't that special." And then I was like, no, 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 we touched our hearts. And from that moment on, I knew, no longer play music just to, 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 to satisfy my ego, but really to touch other people's hearts. And when you change that intention, magical things happen. And that's for me is really, there is the key. What is the attention that you are having a conversation, that you are doing certain things? I mean... People think they have like a, a kind of a person and they want to become famous or earn lots of money and things like that, which is all fine. But I mean, I mean, think about set your intention and it's a very spiritual thing, but it's so, so powerful. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's again with that giving, eh? what you mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah, and I, I so agree with what you say. I, and I think we can... We can also do that for ourselves. Like, what is the intention for the things we do, even when nobody's looking? Yeah. Why do we do these things? And I try to have myself be guided by curiosity and wonder. 
I think those are two of the most beautiful human qualities we can have because they're so connected to creativity, innovation, to you know, change, whatever. And so I always try to look at myself with curiosity and wonder, like, huh, who are you today? And, and so is that what we're doing today? You know, like that way. But uh, for instance, the book, if I had started, because that's, that's definitely what I would have done in the past, right? I mean, I was very ambitious, very driven, um, trying to build other people's dreams for me, obviously, but still mm -hmm. very ambitious and very driven. If I had done the same with the book and I had focused on the end, namely getting a book published, which is mm -hmm. something I'm actually not thinking about now, I would not have enjoyed the process and I would probably have quit a long time ago because that's not the driver. I don't care. The driver is, I wanna write a book. I have a lot of things to say, even if only to myself. And I really want to see this true from a creative perspective. I want the change and the growth that comes from seeing this whole process true for yeah. me. Because I know even now, after having written 10, 100,000 words, I'm not the same person anymore than the one that I was when I started because I've added um, an incredible thing to my, to my bag of tricks. And that is, I can actually write 100,000 words if I want to. I can actually fucking do it. So I can do it again, which is amazing. Like I can do that. And that's really my wish for everyone. Like surprise yourself and grow for yourself. Because when we have these pieces of confidence, we can, we can really do anything. Yeah. And also the fact that you mentioned enjoy the process, because mm -hmm. it sounds really, well, enjoy the process. It's so, it's so important because you can only step in a river once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you don't enjoy that process, it's going to be a long and a hard journey yeah absolutely and, and when then the payoff comes if you want to focus on the payoff you will not enjoy it well and the question is should you even do it if you're not enjoying it because i mean and i understand right that people have to do things against their will to make money and to survive and all of that i understand that and i understand that i'm speaking from a privileged position where you know, I have an established business and, and so I, I have a lot of freedom. But still, I believe that it, the purpose we have here is to be happy. And if we are to be happy, we do need a little bit of, of agency about the things we do and do not do in our life. And too many people, I think, think they don't have a choice in that. And I think we do. I really think we do. And it's, it has a lot to do with how we want to treat ourselves on a daily basis. Yeah, look at you. You could also easily choose the, the victim role for a very long time and, and really yeah, dig into it and, and, and say, look at me, look at me. But it's really, it, 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 it really shows your strength to overcome that and to really say, no, I, I want a different life. That's not my life. I want a different life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also we only have one, right? I mean, 
depending on what you believe in, right? And maybe we have more, but right now I'm living this one. So, um, so I really wanted to count. It's finite. It's like such a rare reason, like life is such a, a precious, rare gift. Yeah, I can choose to, you know, be sad every day. And, and, and I, I know some people really struggle, you know, with depression and with, with and, and I, I think those are very, very valid things. But again, there is agency. And I think even if it's just a little bit, a tiny bit of agency, we need to take that and we need to do something with it. Nobody else is going to do it for us. That's it. Eh? Nobody is, else is going to save you. No. There is no God. There is no nothing. You're going to do it yourself. You have to do it by yourself. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ja, Master Beesner, hallelujah, in one conversation. Yeah. Yes. Marie. <laughs> this is going to be the number one of every conversation I ever had. <laughs> and Muriel Marie, I want to thank you because I think you're a really beautiful soul and woman and uh, with lots of strength. I'm really, how do you say that, under the indruk, I'm impressed. It's, uh, yeah, oh, it's, I like, I like the intensity, by the way. I, I re- like it how you show yourself who you really are the lessons you've learned and uh yeah the the the, the fact that you really yeah transformed and made your mess into a message i like that that's a good one i might steal that <laughs> i didn't i didn't invent it you. <laughs> I, 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 I yeah you can i didn't invent it i took it from tony robbins so um oh okay yeah okay yeah. I might have some copyright issues. To I, but I, yeah. I don't know if he invented it. So uh, it's like some so, some things like songs, which are also like these melodies, like accepted. So you cannot copy them. But anyway, so thank you for the. Yeah, we're almost. Uh, our conversation took after almost two hours. <laughs> and uh, so thank you very much. I wish you all the best with your book. And certainly. I'm going to buy it and if you like you can put an autograph in it because i want a signed version it would be my pleasure thank you so much for having me peter um this was one of the better conversations of 2020 so yeah um what a gift you gave me thank you so much i loved all your questions and you know change also happens within a two-hour period and I am stepping away from this interview, a different person that I came into it. And yeah. I have you to thank for that. Yeah. So thank you. The, the same thing for me. The same thing for me. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.